believers, and welcome to another episode of Believing Bigger Podcast, the podcast that equips entrepreneurs and influencers with the tools, the confidence, and most importantly, the faith to believe bigger in your dreams. I'm Dr. Shante, and this is episode 17 of the season. We are getting near the end, folks, but I am loving the content for this episode, which is titled All That Glitters. So I am freshly back from Miami from the American Black Film Festival. I talked earlier in the season about attending and submitting my film. And so I learned so much from that experience that I had to run back and share it with you. And of course, as always, I have a guiding scripture for this episode. And so our guiding scripture for today comes from Ecclesiastes chapter one, verses one through four and verses 13 and 14. And it says, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Or some versions say vanity, vanity, all is vanity. What do people gain from all of their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. Verse 13 and 14. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun, All of them are meaningless, as though chasing after the wind. So today, all that glitters, we are going to be talking about, number one, the velvet rope. Some things I learned from crashing an industry party, don't judge me. Uh, Number two, (laughs) what Kofi said. So I had an opportunity to attend an event where Kofi Sarebu, who is the one of the main characters on Queen Sugar on the OWN Network, was delivering not a keynote, but he was definitely the featured guest. And so some key takeaways from some things that he said. And then my top three lessons from attending ABFF this weekend. So let's get right into it. First of all, let's talk about Solomon for a minute. Okay, so a few seasons back, we talked about Solomon, and how Solomon, instead of asking for riches, decided to ask for wisdom. And so I want to bring Solomon back. And I want to put him squarely in this episode because he is the writer of our guiding scripture. He is the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes. He is the one who said meaningless, meaningless. It's all meaningless. Everything under the sun is basically pointless. So Solomon, to remind you, is the richest man in the world. The Bible says he's the richest man that ever was and the richest man that ever will be. And so every year Solomon received upwards of 660 some odd talents of gold. And so that is our US dollar equivalent of $40 billion per year. And Solomon reigned for 40 years. And so when you crunch the numbers and do the math, Solomon's net worth was 2.2 trillion. Yes, I said trillion with a T, trillion dollars. That was his net worth, $2.2 trillion. And I went and I looked at Forbes to see if there are any other trillionaires in the known world. And as of two years ago, here's what Forbes said. There are 540 billionaires in the United States with a combined net worth of $2.39 trillion, according to our 2016 list of the world's richest people. So, 540 billionaires currently in the U.S. and all of them have a combined net worth 
of $2.3 trillion and Solomon by himself had a combined net worth of $2.2 trillion. And this is a man who had 700 wives and he had 300 concubines and he is known as the wisest man to have ever lived. And his conclusion, after all of the riches, after all of the fame, after all of the wisdom and all of the women and all of the chariots and all of the gold was, this is meaningless. It is pointless. The book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon's way of basically saying that life outside of God has no point. Life outside of God is pointless and meaningless. And Solomon, as he's writing this book after, you know, all the gold, the riches, the women, all of it, he's a little jaded. Um, and he sounds jaded, you know, to say meaningless, meaningless. It's all meaningless. You know, you can hear the cynicism in his tone as he's writing it. And he had it all. Okay. He had it all. He had all of the things that we often strive for, that we break our backs for, that we give up time with our families for. He had it all. And he said, it's all meaningless. And recently, you know, we had two terribly tragic deaths, Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain. And from the outside looking in, we would say they had it all. They had talent, creativity, success. They were able to have the luxury of choosing their art and getting paid and respected for it amongst their peers and their colleagues. They, like Solomon, had it all. They had family members who loved them. They had nice homes. They had it all. And both of them reached the conclusion that there was no value in what they had and that life was no longer worth living. And I say all this because I want you to think about every time that you've looked at somebody else's life and felt a pang of envy or jealousy because of their success or something that they had. Because in every time that we've done that, we in that moment have made a decision that there is a greater success and that there is a greater gift than waking up that day healthy in our right minds under God's protection and living according to his will. I'm going to repeat that. When we look at someone else's life and we feel a pang of envy or jealousy because of the life that that they have or because of their success we in that moment have made a decision that there is a greater success and that there is a greater gift than waking up that day healthy in our right minds under God's protection and living according to his will we have decided that that ain't nothing that ain't nothing so what I woke up but they got a new car. So what? I woke up, but they got a new husband. So what? I woke up, but they got a good job. So what? I woke up, but they went to Bali. We have duped ourselves into believing that there is a greater gift than life and there isn't one. And I'm not saying this, you know, like, oh, Dr. Shantae, you would say that. Solomon said it. The Bible says it. That if you don't have God in your life, life is pointless. All the the gold, the riches, the silver, all of it means absolutely nothing without God. There's this movie back in the 70s. I think it was Mahogany and Billy D. Williams. Don't talk about me. Okay, that was my era. Um, and, I, and the main character, you know, she had like all of this success and all of this fame. And Billy D. Williams said, you know what? This don't mean nothing. 
if you don't have nobody to share with. You say, yeah, you at the top, but look what you have. You don't have nobody. And that is, is part and parcel to what Solomon is saying. Not that you have to have someone to share it with, but if you have a life outside of God's purpose for you, he said it's completely pointless. And, you know, Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, they had everything that we covet and they decided that it was pointless, that it was valueless, that life was no longer worth living. Which brings me to the velvet rope. So don't judge me. I did not plan this. It just happened. So let me tell you the story. So me and my friend, we went to Miami for the film festival and we had just attended the comedy show. And you know, when people are are filing out of the building, people are either, you know, waiting for Ubers and things like that. And we saw a group of, you know, seemingly important looking people, you know, just by the way that they carried themselves. And they were talking to uh, someone who was trying to coordinate them into getting into this black van. Um, It was a private shuttle that was taking them to a different hotel. And so the guy that was talking to them was like, well, can you vouch for anyone? And the woman was like, oh, I can vouch for these two here. And she pointed to two of her friends. He said, okay, go ahead and get in the van. And so I'm thinking to myself, I want to go someplace important and exclusive. And so I looked at him and I said, we're going to, right? He said, oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. Just go ahead, get in the van. So I started walking towards the van and my friend didn't say a mumbling word. She said, when I move, you move just like that. So she just followed me into the van. And so we didn't say anything. I looked at her. She looked at me. We just grinned. We have no idea where we're going. We're just like, okay, well, let's just pay attention so that we can see how far away we are from our actual hotel to see if we got to go a long way back. Well, lo and behold, we did not have to go very far. We actually were um, maybe two blocks from the hotel that we were staying at. But turns out it was an industry party hosted by a very famous network whose name I will not mention just in case I have to work with them and do business. And they'd be like, really, Huffa, you was crashing our parties? It'll be something we can laugh about one day, but today is not that day. So I'm not going to say who it is. And so (laughs) we get out the van and, you know, we follow these ladies. You know, they are stepping with confidence. That's the key, y'all. If you're going to crash a party, you can't be, be skinning and grinning. You got to just step up there and walk like you belong there. And so, you know, they strode in, you know, and the man removed the velvet rope. And so we strode in right behind them. And when we got behind the the hotel where they were um, going to this party, to this event, you know, there was, of course, a velvet rope, right? So the velvet rope with special wristbands and a guest list and and VIPs and RSVPs and all of that. And it was designed for network executives and celebrity talent um, from all of the networks that were down in Miami for that weekend. So we're talking actors, producers, uh, programmers, development, like all of the people that work behind the scenes and make these big decisions. And so... Through a series of strategic moves, we managed to get beyond the velvet rope. And so here's the moment, right? Because so many of us are on the other side of the velvet rope and we're thinking like, man, this is the room where it happens. This is where like the big deals are made, you know, where the movers and the shakers doing this and doing that. And no, it, no it, it's not that. 
I mean, you got people standing around with drinks in their hands, you know, smoking or posing for selfies and pictures, basically doing the same thing that we do, that regular people do at their functions, you know, shooting the breeze, talking about the kids and and the stresses of life or the stresses of work. And of course, you have those handful of people that are sniffing around the celebrities, you know, try like, oh, look at me and give me some attention and and that sort of thing. And one of the people that came over to talk to me and my friend, we were sitting at a table, is London Brown. And if you don't know who London Brown is, um, there's a show on HBO called Ballers. And Ballers and Reggie, um, the character that London Brown plays, his name is Reggie. And he came over to us and he said, you know what? At the end of the day, he said, I'm still a real ninja. He said, you know, I don't go around saying, hey, man, look at me. You know, I don't just act. I can do comedy and I can do this and I can do that. He said, at the end of the day, real talent attracts the right attention. I don't have to go around shucking and jiving and playing the sambo. He said, I just do me and I do it consistently. And I said, well, all right, brother, (laughs) you know, and we just we just had a conversation because he wanted to emphasize, look, I'm not caught up in all this celebrity and oh, you can't touch the hem of my garment. And, you know, I only roll in certain circles with a tight entourage. He basically was like, look, at the end of the day, I still am the same boy that grew up in the hood and this fame, this talent, this celebrity doesn't change me. And so I say all this to say that we always think that life behind the velvet rope is is just really glamorous. You know, um, famous people are still people. Okay. And the smart ones, the successful ones, the ones that stay in this business for a long time are smart enough to know that, okay? They don't take themselves too seriously. They realize what a luxury it is to be able to do art for a living. Um, and they cultivate their craft and and their gift, you know? And at the same time, right after London had said that, right after he had that conversation with us, another guy came up and was like, yeah, man, I got this agency, you know, they trying to, they trying to court me. They trying to, they trying to poach me from my current agency, man. They talking about they can do this and they talking about they can do that. And London just looked at us like, see what I mean? That's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, when you have confidence in your craft and when you have confidence in your talent, you don't have to go out there, you know, thirsting for attention. You just basically do your talent, you know, and real talent will attract the right attention, which brings us to what Kofi said. So fresh off of London's declaration that you know hey I'm still a real I'm still a real dude you know at the end of the day I know exactly who I am and I don't let this fame you know change me Kofi Sirabu plays Ralph Angel on Queen Sugar so if you are not familiar with that show you can google it you can look it up and he had an event with Issa Rae and Issa Rae has these events that she puts on in in major cities where She wants to get young creatives of color together to learn from successful professionals and find out what it takes to make it in the entertainment industry. Because she says there's this this recurring theme where people say, oh, well, I struggled for years and years and then I blew up and became successful. And that's not helpful. So she tries to do a deep dive into what are the skills, actions and mindsets that people took to actually make it in this business. And so as I'm sitting there, he's dropping like some deep philosophical nuggets, you know, and he talked about his life as from this African family as the chubby middle son, you know, so he was forever known as, oh, you mean 
chubby Kof, you know, because he was a heavy kid. Um, and you can look at him now and you'd be like, what? He was overweight. Yes, he was a chubby kid, chubby Kof. And when he turned 17, he decided that he was going to put in the work before he turned 18 to lose the weight. And so, you know, he committed himself. He started working out. He started running. He started eating right and all these other things. And he told himself, you know, to pull him because he was feeling like he was in a rut at that time. And he told himself, when I lose this weight, you know, then that's going to be my breakout moment. That's going to be, you know, when I'm finally feeling happy and good about myself. And he thought that losing that weight would bring him happiness, but it didn't. And one of the things that he said, so there's four key takeaways for these philosophical nuggets that I want to share with you based on that experience. And the first thing that he said was, life is not what they tell you it is. You have the power to design it. And what that made me think about is how many of us are chasing someone else's version of life? Somebody told you what life was supposed to be, that you were supposed to go to school, get a job, have a family so that you can send them to school so they can get a job and they can have a family to go to school and get a job and have a family and just keep the cycle going. And so many of us have been told or led to believe that our lives are supposed to look a certain way based on an archetype that we have not designed. And he says that life is really not what that's all about. He says, you have the power to determine what your life is going to be. And you have the power to determine how your life is going to take shape. And I thought about, you know, how many of us are looking outside of ourselves and looking at some other people saying like, oh, her hair is goals or her body is goals or their relationship is goals or that level of success is goals. You know, how many of us are wasting our lives trying to live someone else's version of it and still not happy because some of us have met those goals just like Kofi did. He met his goals and he still wasn't happy. The next thing that he said was, if you're tired of hearing no, create your own yes. And this made me think about Jay-Z. So Jay-Z was nominated last year for eight Grammys and did not win a single one. And do you think he went home that night and hung up his microphone like, oh, I guess I ain't a good rapper no more. You know, I didn't win no awards. You know, no, him and his wife just dropped this brand new album is number one in the country and they making a quarter of a billion dollars on tour right now. So if you keep getting rejected, I'm going to encourage you to keep putting your content out there anyway and grow your own audience. Too often, we attribute our success based on the validation of others, awards and accolades and praise. If you don't get any of that, if you don't get any of that, it doesn't make you less of a talent. I remember one time I went to go see Frankie Beverly and Mays. And Frankie was just thanking the audience for their support over the years. And he said, you know what? We never got any of the awards, but we got the rewards of a faithful audience of people who appreciated good music. So Frankie Beverly, they've never won any Grammys or American Music Awards or anything like that. But they have such a huge following and they have such a faithful following that even to this day, they're packing out venues because people want to go and see Frankie Beverly and Mays. And so even though they didn't get any of the external validation, they still reap the rewards of being committed to their craft and putting out good music because that's what they wanted to do. And so... I say all that to say nobody is stopping you from building your platform. YouTube is free and someone is always watching. And so if you're looking for 
a contract or a mentor or somebody to take you under their wing and show you how it's done, that may never happen. That may never come. That, that call may never come. That email may never come. And if it never does, are you going to never put your content out there? Are you never going to put your ideas out there? Are you never going to start that channel because some external validator didn't come along? You have the power to create your own yes. The next thing that he said is, and I thought this was like, deep and I've said this so many times on this show but you know maybe because Kofi said it it'll sink in because he said it he said I want to live life free of the thought that I need something outside of myself to be happy so first it was the weight loss and he didn't that didn't make him happy then he thought it would be acting and that doesn't really make him happy either he said you know as grateful as he is to be a working actor Queen Sugar is just another way for him to pay bills because he got bills just like you and me got bills. It's not the source of his happiness. And it's just a reminder of how many of us are outsourcing our happiness. When I get this job, when I get this relationship, when I get that call from Oprah, then I'll be happy. Until then, I'm going to waste away in misery. And for what? If that call never comes, then you wasted your life on a call that never came and you could have been out there doing your thing. You know, happiness is a choice. It's an inside job and life begins the moment that we start to believe that. And the last little philosophical nugget that he dropped was, I don't want success. I want freedom, mental freedom. And the room kind of got quiet and realizing like, what? Here's somebody that has everything that we want. Here's somebody that's on the show. We would love to work with Ava DuVernay. We would love to be on Oprah's network. Here's somebody who has fame and fortune. And he's sitting up here saying, I don't want success. I want to be free. And he wants to be free to be able to express himself without fear of judgment, free to eat what he wants when he wants without worrying about what it's going to do to his career free to live his life unafraid and unfiltered, free to put out creative work without worrying about whether or not it's good enough or if somebody's going to like it, free to work without having to audition with 500 other dudes that are gunning for the same role. He said, freedom to me is just the freedom to be. And it's not money. It's not acting. It's not women lined up around the corner. He said, freedom to me is just the freedom to be. And I don't know how many celebrities or how many famous people have to demonstrate to us that a lot of the things that we're chasing just don't have the value that we think it does. And so we need to do a deep dive and eliminate the things that rob us of our peace and our self-confidence. We need to embrace the freedom that we have without our lives being picked apart on social media like so many A-list celebrities because celebrities wish they could do what we do and live how we live. But that's the price that they pay for fame and they hate it. The grass always looks greener on the other side. But I'm going to ask you, where have you watered? Have you put as much effort pouring into your own life, sowing seeds into your own life right where you are as you have striving and scratching and reaching for someone else's version of what you think life is supposed to be? Which brings us to finally my top three takeaways from this film festival. So top three takeaways, and this is directly from Laz Alonzo and so many other people, uh, so many other celebrities spoke to this, but Laz especially, he said rejection is the name of the game because someone asked him, how do you deal with rejection or how do you overcome rejection? And he said, if you're going to be in this business, you're never going to stop dealing with rejection. 
a lot of us think that when we reach a certain level of success that we don't ever have to deal with rejection again. And it's just not true because right now there are professionals, seasoned professionals, veterans that have been in the entertainment game for years that are pitching ideas that nobody believes in, but them. They have filmed TV pilots that never got picked up by a network. And so it was basically just collecting dust on the bottom of the trash bin or they're auditioning for roles that they don't get chosen for. So I say all that to say that there's no guaranteed outcomes for anybody. You know, you just have to develop a thick enough skin to keep trying because just because you reach a certain level of success doesn't mean that you're never going to have to deal with rejection because they deal with it all the time. The second takeaway from ABFF is self-doubt never goes away. So Ryan Coogler, okay, which should be a household name by now, Ryan Coogler, the director of Creed and Black Panther, Fruitvale Station, he said, I suffer from self-doubt. He said, it's crippling self-doubt. He said, you know, it's taking everything in me not to run off the stage right now because I don't believe my own hype. You know, I battle it all the time. And he questions whether or not he's good enough. And he compares himself to other great directors. And right now at this moment, you know, the interviewer asked him, so what's next for you? And he said, I don't know. He said, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm, I'm taking the time to figure out what my next move is going to be. And that just reiterates the fact that we think that celebrities have it all figured out that, you know, oh man, you just directed Black Panther. It just grows 1.3, 1.4 billion dollars. Man, you can write your ticket anywhere. I know you got buku buku opportunities. And he just sat there and said, I don't know. I don't know what my next move is going to be. I'm trying to figure it out right now. And so they battle the same demons that we do. They just do it under scrutiny and public, whereas we have the luxury of figuring out our demons in private. And then the last takeaway from ABFF is God knows what he's doing. So I submitted my film to the festival and it did not get accepted. And after attending the festival this weekend, I was really glad that it didn't get accepted when you have a film, once you, once your film is screened publicly, it's considered a world premiere and you only get one world premiere because you know, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, ain't no putting it back. So once it's screened somewhere publicly, you will forever lose the status of it being able to premiere on a world stage somewhere else. And what I noticed and what my friend noticed, and actually a lot of people was that the only things that got promoted at ABFF were things that were sponsored by major major networks. So BET, TV One, HBO, Aspire, NBC. If if there was a big celebrity event or clips and conversations or OWN was hosting something, we got all kind of notifications about it. Like, don't forget about this and don't forget about that. But for the independent movie maker, for the person who was unknown, that's scratching and surviving, that's just still trying to find a place in the world, you know, and, and trying to find a place for their art to live. We didn't get any notifications about their work. And what we saw were the filmmakers themselves trying to drive traffic to their films. So basically when their films got accepted, they had to do all the hustle work to try to get traffic to the door. And so had my film been accepted, it number one would have forever lost its world premiere status and it would not have been promoted or highlighted by the festival. My film could have literally played to the crickets. Okay. It could have played to an empty room. And it just reminded me that so often we think that God is keeping things from us 
when in reality, he's keeping us from certain things. And so to Solomon's point, you know, life outside of God's will and purpose, you know, is just, he said, it's like chasing the wind. You ever tried to chase a dollar in the wind or tried to chase a receipt that flew out of your pocket? You know, you look crazy. And that's how so many of us are living. We just look crazy, just chasing after all that glitters. And all that glitters just is not gold. You know that the real gift is life. The real gift is being able to wake up every day um, under God's protection in our right mind with peace and love. Those are the real gifts. And there's just such a deep seed planted, a weed planted in our souls that that's not enough, that that's not good enough when there's been so much evidence to the contrary. So that is it, folks. If you have any questions, comments, takeaways, you know you can always hit me up at Dr. Shante Says on Twitter, on Instagram, and I will see you next time. Thank you.